Good evening. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to be here. Thank you, Miss Amanda, for helping coordinate and help me uh, figure out how to get here and what was needed. Oh, and thank you to Rich and Robert up in the sound booth. My brothers work at the tech department in our church, and I know that sometimes it can be a thankless job. So I want to thank you real quick. And before I get started, uh, you just someone mentioned about Billy Graham joining the Lord this morning, and I read something. Uh, my dad was driving. I was reading it on my phone. <laughs> And uh, it was a quote by Billy Graham. I don't know when he said this, but this is him. Someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. And I read that and I was just like, whew, that is so true. That's how us as believers, that's how we should feel, right? This time on this earth is the little dash on your tombstone, and the rest is eternity. So, how about join me in a quick prayer before I get started. Lord, thank you so much for being in this building tonight, with this congregation, with this people. Lord, help me, aid me in being able to adequately express your love for the Chinese people your desire to see China as a God-serving country and to adequately express what the goal and the mission is of Cafe Awake. Thank you and be here tonight, Lord. Thank you. Amen. All right, so I'm here to talk to you about Cafe Awake. As Pastor said, uh, there was a couple missionaries who were going to be here, and that is... Uh, John and Sarah Hamilton, that's on the next slide. And they, this is them with their two kids. The little girl's name is Selah, and the little boy's name is Jack. And John and Sarah have been serving in China for about seven years. And the reason they could not be here today is because of the business license issue with the coffee shop that they run. The government was saying, hey, this business license is in your name, but you're not here. So they're like, uh-oh, we should go back. <laughs> but they're back there safely, and now I'm here to talk to you about this ministry. So Cafe Awake, the Chinese name that we have for the coffee shop is Aiweke Cafe. Aiweke is the, Spanish, or the uh, Chinese translation and just simply means abundant love for all people. Oh yeah, you can see the Chinese right under there. And it's kind of a play on the words because it sounds like awake. I wake up. But it has a deep meaning. And then this comes from the uh, Bible verse, Ephesians 5.14. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Because we know that China right now is asleep. And there are people, there's a growing movement in China right now of people waking up. And that's what this ministry is all about. So, back to John and Sarah. 
like I said before, they moved to China about seven years ago, and it was about three years ago that they moved to a city in China called Chushang. And we have a map here of China, and as you can see, the Yunnan province is outlined in that box. And on the next slide, we blow up uh, Yunnan here, and you can see circled is the city Chushang. That is where the coffee shop is located. Uh, Chushang is a small city. Uh, when I say small, I mean about 500,000 people. Uh, that's, that's from a census report back in 2003. So it's probably more people, but that's the last we know. And by China standards, a country of 1.4 billion people, 500,000 people, that's a small city. So that is where John Sarah had been living in for the past three years. Uh, I don't have an exact number, but I can tell you there are very few foreigners in this country, in, in the country, but especially in this city. I lived there for a year, and every day that I lived there, as I walked the streets, as I rode my scooter around, I got so many stares from people who have never seen a foreigner before. So the word that they have for foreigner is lawai, and as I walked around, I get to hear people like, lawai, lawai. <laughs> I was like, Chinese. Hey, Chinese. <laughs> you have to have fun with it. <laughs> um, soon after John and Sarah had been living in Chushong, they learned of an opportunity. Because that's how God works. He gives us opportunities. This opportunity was to buy a coffee shop. They prayed about it, and, they re and God revealed to them a vision he had for China, for this little small city called Chushan. This is when I learned of Chushan. I have known John my whole life. We grew up in the same church, and uh, I knew what him and his wife, Sarah, were doing in Asia. And I'll never forget it. It was a Sunday morning, just like any other Sunday. I was at church, and I was with my group of friends talking before the service started. And Hope, John's younger sister, was in our little group, and she got texts. And she said, oh, whoa. I said, what? She said, John and Sarah are going to buy a coffee shop in China, and that is going to be their ministry. And I just thought, that's really cool. And Hope gave me a look, and she, she said, you're supposed to go there. I said, okay. I prayed about it, and it made sense. Two years prior to learning of this, I had worked at a coffee shop. The opportunity to go to China also involved teaching English at a university. I was just finishing up my bachelor's degree in education. And years before, I had received a prophetic word that I would have a ministry in Asia, back before I had any notion of going to China. All this was going through my mind as I'm learning about this opportunity that 
is, is arising in China. So after a few months of praying with intermediate fasting, I decided that, yes, I should go to China. So I arrived in China in September of 2016, and I quickly fell in love with the people. And I have a few pictures of the people of China. Oh, but first, of course, the beautiful scenery that is in Yunnan. Um, I quickly fell in love with China. I fell in love with the, the people, the ministry, and the food. Really good food. <laughs> but really, it was the people. And, and that would make sense. Because the reason I was there was for the people. Everything else in this world eventually goes away. Burns, right? The only thing that matters in the end are souls. So that is the main goal of this coffee shop in China named Cafe Lake are the souls. And there's a picture of the sign of my Cafe Lake. So why a coffee shop? Why not just open an outreach center or something like that? Well, as I'm sure you all know, China is technically a communist country. And one of the main beliefs and tenets of communism is atheism. So technically, China is an atheistic country. The country goes through waves of how strict they enforce these religious, these, uh, religious laws. Uh, for the past couple years, it's been not too bad, but this month some things have happened and China is getting more strict with their internet laws, how, what people are allowed to search on the internet in the country. So that might be signs of the times ahead. Only time will tell. So it's tempting to fall into what the rest of the world would describe as a restricted excess country. But we in the room, as believers, know that with God, there is no such thing as a restricted access country. What there is, is a creative access country. And that is exactly what Cafe Awake is. The Lord has provided many creative opportunities. Cafe Awake is one of them. Unregistered churches are not allowed in China. They are illegal. So you can't street evangelize, otherwise you'll get picked up by the police and get sent back home. Uh, what Cafe Awake provides is a door for the Chinese to walk in and talk with us, as well as a legal reason for us being there. Through Cafe Awake, we have the opportunity to sit down with the Chinese, drink some coffee, build relationships with them, and then share the good news. Because these are people who have never heard the name Jesus before. Never. Us 
growing up in a Western world, it's hard to, at least it's hard for me to fathom it. Even people who are not Christians living in America, they have heard about Jesus before. Maybe they don't really know who he is, but they've heard the name. These people in China, the ones that I've shown pictures of, they don't, they've, they've never heard the name. So our vision is to use this coffee shop as a platform to awaken the lost in this city of the good news. In Chushang, the primary minority group, they are called the E people. They call themselves the tiger dragon people in their own language. Uh, they are beautiful people uh, who hold to a belief that they are descended from tigers, and they are also animistic. Animistic meaning that they believe everything has a spirit. This tree has a spirit. The water has a spirit. The sun has a spirit. In fact, uh, I think I have some... Oh, yeah, there we go. There's a traditional E clothing. The people, uh, they have this old town. It's kind of a tourist attraction. But in the center of, the, of it, they have a square. And there's a fire pit. And one of the main deities that the E people worship is fire. So every night, they have a ceremony to dance around the fire pit in the middle of the square. And just a few blocks down is our coffee shop. I'll never forget the first week I was there. The coffee shop has three floors, and so the second one has a balcony overlooking the streets. And I was sitting there by myself, and I could hear the drums and the shouting of the, uh, the ceremony going on. And I was sitting in this coffee shop, and I felt safe. I felt warm. I could feel God's presence in that coffee shop, in that building. And it was one of those moments where I was very aware of what I was supposed to be doing here. One of the E people that we met, uh, we'll call her Lucky. She likes to call herself Lucky. I have to use different names for security purposes, but we'll call her Lucky. Uh, she was one of the first people that we met when we, when we got to China. And she saw one of our team at Walmart and she was like, what? Yes, they have Walmarts in China. <laughs> they also have KFC. That's the most popular restaurant. That's weird. <laughs> anyway, uh, Lucky saw actually Sarah, who I showed you earlier, and she immediately saw there's something different about her. Now, if you remember the picture I showed you a few minutes ago, she's white with curly blonde hair. So, yeah, she looked different. <laughs> but... What this girl, Lucky, saw was something more than that. She could see that something inside was different. So they struck up a conversation. She invited her to um, the coffee shop. And she is now a sister in Christ. She is now a believer. 
And we believe she is the first of the e-people, the first that we know of, to become a believer, which is amazing. Another person I would like to share about who's very close to my heart is a young man named Sam. I met Sam at a New Year's party that we were hosting at the coffee shop. Uh, Sam spoke English very well because he had studied and he had spent some high school years actually in America. So his English was very well. We were able to have really good conversations. Uh, so over the few, next few weeks, Sam became a regular at the coffee shop. And we became fast friends. A couple months later, we were celebrating the Chinese New Year, which we just recently passed for this year. But last year, I was in China for the Chinese New Year, and we celebrated with Sam's family. After the dinner, which was incredible, we went to the top of the Xishan Mountain. Xishan means little mountain. And... We went up there because there's a temple on top of the mountain. Now, tradition holds in China that when the new year starts, you want to be in the luckiest place you can be, so that you have a lucky or fortunate year ahead. So there's no there's no luckier place than the temple. So me, Sam, a couple of of the other missionaries joined him, and we walked up to see what was going on. After walking up the temple, oh, there you go. After walking up there, it was quite the spectacle. I had never seen anything like it. I was amazed at what I saw. Hundreds of people packed into this temple. They were uh, burning incense. The place reeked of incense. <laughs> it was horrible. Uh, the, and they were bowing down to these golden statues. Buddha. You can see right there, there's a temple, one of the temple monks bowing down. This was new to a guy like me who grew up in Vero Beach, Florida. That's right, I forgot to mention I'm a Floridian. <laughs> so, this is new. We, we know that anything that we put between us and God becomes an idol. But here I was seeing people literally bow down to physical golden statues. It was mind-blowing. The spirit was dark and it, I could sense the, the lost souls in that place. It was in this moment that I truly became aware of the darkness I was living in. And I was reminded what kind of light Cafe Awake was. In that moment, standing in that temple, I could have let that darkness overwhelm me, shake me, discourage me. But instead, I was actually encouraged. I was encouraged by the simple truth that in the darkest of darks, the 
darkest night, the smallest light shines brightest. Cafe Awake was that light. So Sam and I walked further, and we got to a quieter place. He leaned in and told me, You know, Tim, most of these people bowing down to these statues, they don't really believe it. They just do it for good luck. I was like, okay. That doesn't really make sense. <laughs> and I, sensing the opportunity, I looked at him and I said, Well, Sam, what do you believe? His answer blew me away. He said, Tim, I believe in my Savior, Jesus Christ. I say what? <laughs> I said, oh, really? <laughs> what a surprise. It turned out that while Sam was in America, his host family spoke to him, and they encouraged him, they shared with him the good news, and he became a believer. So, I was taken aback, but as we descended the mountain and rejoined the others of our friends, we talked about his conversion, Uh, we talked about the core truths of Christianity, but then we also shared our passion, our mutual passion to see a God-serving China. The Sam's heart was in right place. He had received the gifts. He had received salvation. And now he wanted the rest of the country to have it. So myself, Sam, and another missionary, we met together every week at the coffee shop to study the Bible together. Because our jobs as Christians does not stop when someone gets saved. When someone gets saved we are also called to make disciples. So that's what we did. Sam had many questions. We did our best to answer all of them. The questions he had were amazing. Uh, And through those meetings of discipleship, both my other missionary friend and I learned a lot ourselves. And through those meetings,
true mission of the coffee shop. In a country where you can't have a church, the coffee shop has become the church. Because we know that a church is not a building. The church is the people, the community, the group of people. We are the church. It doesn't matter if you meet in a traditional church or a coffee shop or in someone's house. We are the church. Another important aspect China, the idea of volunteering, that is, working without getting a paycheck, is a very foreign concept. program actually allowed us to have these students in the coffee shop where we were able to hang out with them and talk with them and share with them. James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and, wid- and, and widows and their distress. Another strong focus of Cafe Awake comes from this command that God gives us concerning orphans and widows. 
Cafe Awake uses the profits from the shop to help the local orphans and people from the surrounding villages. Every week, our team would visit the local orphanage and spend time with the kids. This was one of my favorite parts of being in China. We would bring toys and new games. Uh, we tried to help out when they would let us, but mostly we were there just to have fun with the kids. We'd go outside, play basketball with them, throw the frisbee, uh, bring bubbles. They loved bubbles. With the older orphans, we would uh, practice English with them. It was so heart-wrenching and heart-warming at the same time. I hate to say this, but in China, there's not much love for orphans. The orphanage that we went to was an exception to this, but in most orphanages in China, the kids are not really wanted. As I'm sure many of you are aware, for years, China had a one-child policy. They recently uh, changed it to two, but they're suffering the consequences of that right now because now they have way more men in their population than they do women. But another result of the one-child policy was this... not wanting children who had disabilities or um, were born with defects. If, if parents were received that kind of child, it was just easier for them to get into orphanage. And that's what happens with a lot of these kids. Uh, you'll see in a couple, the couple next pictures, some born with uh, cleft lips. That's pretty common. Or there was one child I knew at the orphanage. He uh, couldn't. He was born with a limp leg, so he couldn't walk. Um, that's the atmosphere that these kids are living in. That they're not wanted. So we were so intentional when we were playing with these kids, whether it was throwing basketball or just like having fun with them, running around. We would always say. I need. I love you. Because we don't know if they're hearing that. Probably not. I I love you. There's one picture. I think it's next. There's another girl with a cloth lip. What's the next picture? There's me and one of the orphans one of the children there. I called him Tiger because we always played a game where he was the tiger and he tried to eat me and I had to run. <laughs> and Tiger and I, we grew really close. Every time I came to the orphanage, he was one of the first kids to run out and jump on me and want to play. And I'll, I'll never forget the first time he was hugging me and he embraced me and he said in English, I love you. At that point, I knew someday I'm going to adopt, and I want to so badly, looking at his face, and 
seeing that is so incredible. Not only do these kids have, as I explained earlier, some, not all of these kids, most of the kids in the orphanage didn't have any defects or disabilities or special needs. Um, but for some reason, they weren't wanted. There, was, there once was a child at this orphanage who was one of the most energetic boys there. Then one visit, we noticed something was different. He was different. He wasn't nearly as excited. In fact, he was really sad. We, we asked him what was wrong. And we found out that his 14th birthday was coming up. And we realized why he was sad. Because in China, once orphans reach the age 14, they legally can no longer be adopted. So if they have not been adopted up until that point, they can't be adopted. And they'll just stay at the orphanage. They'll, the orphanage will have to figure out ways to educate them. And they'll have to try to get jobs right out of an orphanage, depending on the orphanage, with or without help. So with that in mind, one of the strong focal points of Cafe Awake, our coffee shop, is the training and the providing of jobs to older or, older orphans who have aged out of the system and can no longer be adopted. The goal being that we can provide them with skills, with uh, job experience, so that they can get jobs when they leave. Coffee is slowly but surely becoming more popular in China. So more coffee shops, even Starbucks is growing there. They, they want to see you have experience making coffee. So that's why one of our goals is to train these older orphans who have aged out of the system to learn how to make coffee because it can be very useful for them when they're trying to get jobs. So that's one of the main goals of our coffee shop. We just recently opened a second store in Chushong. It is the center of our very own coffee roaster. So we have begun roasting our own coffee. We've just received the business license to produce coffee, sell it to other stores. And the, the business aspect of the coffee shop has proven so uh, effective. And the ministry has proven so effective that now John, who I mentioned earlier, who runs this coffee shop, has been tasked by the AG to uh, head up the creation of 15 more coffee shops like Cafe Awake in China. Yep. Because it's been so effective and the Lord has been doing so much through it that everyone's caught on and be like, oh wow, this works. We're doing it. And, it. and that's what it has been. I was in China for over a year, or just about a year, uh, teaching English at a university. That was my legal reason for being there. When the school year had ended, we had received some news that 
the university would no longer provide work visas for foreign teachers. We, this, we saw this coming. The government had instituted this program years ago, and it was just finally reaching its way towards us. Uh, the government, I think, has caught on to how many foreigners are in the country and what they're up to, so they are making it more difficult to get a work visa. But like I said before, there's no such thing as a restricted access country. There's just more creative ways to do it. <laughs> so this next time that I'm going, I actually will be a student, and I will have a student visa. Uh, with a student visa, I will be learning Chinese at the same university that I taught at. So I'm living in the same area, and I'm working at the same coffee shop. Now, I said at the beginning of, oh, there we go. This is the front counter of our little store. When you walk in, that's what you see. And you can see the espresso machine. And there's the kitchen back there. We have a wonderful staff of Chinese workers who take care of everything. And not all of the staff are believers. But when we work with them and they see how we work and how we treat them, even if they haven't become Christians, they start to change. They can't help it. They're around us and they start to act differently. They start to be more, more kind. They start to offer to help where maybe they weren't going to offer before. There was actually one time we had a conflict between two employees. Uh... It got, it got tense. And in our shop, we have uh, paintings. Some of them are quotes by theologians. One of them is by C.S. Lewis. And the quote is, Humility is self-forgetfulness. And one of our employees, the one who was involved with the dispute with another employee, we'll call her Vicky. Vicky, one day, after having a fight with the other employee, walks around, and she sees our little painting of this quote. She pulls out her phone to translate it, and after she translates it, she goes, oh, puts her phone back. The next day, she has, without any of our directions, she approached the other employee she had a dispute with, asked for forgiveness, apologized, and then asked if there's any way she can help him. It's, it seems so small, but once you've been in China that long and you know how people work, people don't really apologize there. They don't say they're sorry. And they don't really say thank you that much. It's a really weird thing. But they don't say, they don't say sorry. They don't apologize. That's, that's, not what they do. So the fact that Vicky, on her own, looked at that quote, realized its meaning, and then put it into action is huge. It's astonishing. We were amazed. But that's just the power. We didn't even have to say anything to her. God did that. <laughs> and it was amazing. And that's the way it should be.
So, as I said, perhaps earlier, my journey into this uh, this mission started about two years ago when I heard of this opportunity. But really, I could say that it started way before that, before I was born, really. It was in the late 1980s, a missionary came to speak at our church in Vero Beach, and he shared what his mission was and what God was doing. In the middle of his sermon, he challenged the parents in the congregation. He asked those parents in the room if they would be willing to let God call their children to go to the mission field, and if those parents would let their children go, if God did that. missionary said, parents in the room, raise your hand if you would do that. I brought my dad with me. Say hello, Dad. Okay. Uh, he's breaking up. <laughs> as, as the missionary called on the parents and challenged them and told them to raise his, their hands, my dad rose his hand. I wasn't born yet, but my dad knew you had one child at that time, at that time, right? But he heard God say to him, you heard God instruct you, and he obeyed. Love you, Dad. So now, whenever he gets emotional about me leaving, I just say, it's your fault. <laughs> you raised your hand. I won't ask you guys to raise your hands, but I just want you guys to think about that. Those of you who are parents, if God called you or told you, your children, I want them to go to Africa. I want them to go to the Middle East. I want them to go to China. I want them to go to Mongolia, wherever. Would you be willing to let your, your kids go? I once heard someone say who has eight kids and many of them are on the mission field he asked them or he gets asked a lot don't, don't you care aren't you worried he says yeah I'm worried but I realize that there's no safer place to be than where God has put you Many people, I tell them going to China, and they get worried. And they ask me, am I worried? I say, no. I'm not worried. I'm worried what will happen if I don't listen to God. If God tells you to go, you go. And so, when I got back this time from being in China the first time, I got home, I got here back in the States in July, so I've been in the States now for seven months. It did not take long at all from when I got back to realize I really miss China. 
I really miss the people there. I miss Lucky, Sam, Tiger. I miss the ministry. I realized when I got back that that's where I belong. I don't know how long guys called me there, but I know that I'm supposed to go there. And I'm so grateful for the people in my life who have put me there uh, the first time and the people who are going to put me there again this time. Um, I think we're running out of time here, so I'll kind of wrap this up. Uh, I'd love to actually meet with people in the back who have more questions because that's what I love doing. I love answering questions about China, um, about the ministry. I'm so passionate about what God is doing in China. I'm so thankful that he chose me to go there. Lord thank you thank you for China thank you for the people there thank you for the opportunity that you have given John and Sarah and the missionaries with them to be the light in a dark place to be the person to say I love you to Morphine to be the people to sit down with others who have never even heard your name and that we are called. Each one of us in this room is called. Not all to China, but called to be missionaries in a sense. Because a missionary is someone who just reaches out and spreads your word, shares the good news, and that's what we're all called to do So, Lord, I ask you now to bless this congregation. Bless each and every person sitting in this room, Lord, as they go out and they meet people. Put on their hearts what you want them to say. Touch lives because of this church here, affect the community for this church. Thank you, Lord.